Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Today we're recording this on March 18th. You're going to hear this March 25th or later. Who knows what our future selves will be thinking about what's going on in the world then. Um, even when we recorded the new show last week, that feels like 7,000 years ago now, Rebecca? Maybe, <laughs> maybe, really maybe 5,000 years ago. <laughs> so um, time is moving in really weird ways right now. Yeah, we're recording this week's new show tomorrow. So the one that comes out this weekend, uh, I feel like I'm talking about the timeline of Looper or something like that. But the amount of news we have to talk about tomorrow um, related to COVID-19 is staggering. And I'm mm-hmm. sure by the time we record it and release this in the next show, there'll be even more things to do. Today, we're going to do the confidence index um, for movie adaptations that are coming, quote unquote, out over the next few months. Um, We had shelved this idea because we know that movie theaters are closing, things are getting moved around. But then Universal especially made this move to make some of these available streaming um, for a higher rental price than they would be after a theatrical release, but in lieu of a theatrical release or a simultaneous or whatever we're calling this now. And so, you know, Rebecca made the point that I think maybe a lot of these other movies might follow suit, um, right? Yeah, Is that knows? kind of what we thought? Who knows what's going to come out? So let's damn the torpedoes and go ahead. So these are all movies that had a theatrical release date really late February through the summer, or through through May is what we had decided mm-hmm. here. We're going to keep to that um, for this. When these movies actually come out is anybody's guess, um, and what that out looks like is also anybody's guess. But, for example, we're going to talk about um, Emma today and Invisible Man today, which have been out in limited release or wide release in some places. A lot of people haven't seen them that would like to go see them because they've been, you know the movie theaters have closed, but they're going to be available like tomorrow, to, mm-hmm. to get digitally, and I'm sure probably people have or have some time to fill, is what I've been told <laughs> right now at home. Um, and this might be a good way to do it. And we thought it would be a fun distraction. Um, I guess the the thing to say is we'll talk more about it tomorrow, but boy, there's a lot going on. We hope you guys are handling it okay. We hope um, you're washing your hands and you're finding a way to, to get through this. I wish I had good advice. Um, if you have good advice, I would like it. Podcast at bookwrite.com. <laughs> yeah. The best advice I've seen is like, do whatever weird thing you need to do to feel okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, for I'm like a lot of you, I'm sure that have kids. Um, I would assume, I would assume more of you than not now are going to have kids in your lives in a different way for a long time uh, with schools closing. And I, I'm sure a lot of people out there, you guys have you know, been furloughed or laid off. If you work in the hospitality or services or travel industry, especially um, we're thinking about you. Um, we've got Michelle and I are working from home. We've got our kids here and our schools here are out until April 28th. And at this point um, I'm hoping it's April 28th. So we're all getting used to it. Michelle and I have sort of given ourselves the week to say, okay, we're going to patch this together and not worry too much yeah. about being homeschool mavens this week. And then next week is spring break, <laughs> you know, would have been spring break. So whatever. And then maybe after that sort of say, okay, what are we actually trying to do here? Um, but I think Rebecca's right. Do what you got to do safely. doesn't harm other people, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. But give yourself a transition moment too, just cause you're um, uh, eating potato chips and binge watching love is blind in your sweatpants for a week. That's fine. doesn't mean you have to do that for six weeks. Right, you know, right. you can change your routine later. Figure out what works, and yeah. we're going to get more information as things. You go. know, I think we're in an interesting position because we're used to working yeah. from home. Uh, you go into our shared office in Portland. We've closed our offices, but you um, yeah. go into those sometimes. sometimes yeah. But here, yeah, here in Richmond, we Amanda and I don't have a shared office. We don't like leaving our houses, so <laughs> we're used to just working from home. And it's been really interesting. Like I'm adjusting to having my partner home full time. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a friend who's been staying with us long term uh, as they go through a major life transition. So there's, you know, three adults here during the day when I'm used to having the house to myself with the dog and we're all navigating how to do that. But watching folks sort of feel out how to work from home. And then there's just been a ton of advice on the internet about like, you know, make sure you get up in the morning and get dressed and have a dedicated workspace and do all of these things. And I just want to echo what you were saying, Jeff, that like, if you don't usually work from home, and this whole being at home and being with your partner and probably your kids and like, all of this stuff is totally weird. Like, it's fine if you sit Mm -hmm. on the couch in your pajamas this week with your laptop to get your work done. And then maybe that works for you for six whole weeks. And it's fine. And maybe you need to like, you know, get into a different routine where you have a dedicated office space or you put on your business clothes to feel like a person. But we're all just figuring this mm-hmm. out right now. The thing I'm doing is reading Mary Oliver on Instagram once a day and cooking a lot of feelings and trying to just go outside. Like whatever whatever you need to do. Yeah. So anyway, I guess we did a little more than we thought, but it's almost impossible <laughs> to avoid. Um, all right. I don't know if you... I'm not sure how we're going to handle news. I mean, I guess we'll have news. Um, I've been sort of watching what's happening to ESPN about like all the sports are canceled. Yeah. Like, boy, that's a mm-hmm. tough beat. And I, I wonder if something 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 similar will happen to the world of books and reading. Um, we'll play it by ear uh, and see how it goes. But um, for this one, uh, let's do a sponsor and we'll get into talking about movies and adaptations. Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's start with let's start with Invis- the Invisible Man because it came out February twenty eighth and had the full weekend that was sort of before the flood, um, so mm-hmm. to speak, and was a bona fide hit for one weekend. Uh, Seven point five wow. out of ten on um, Invisible Man did pretty well at the box office, um, and Elizabeth Moss in trouble again. Elizabeth Moss, we're worried about you. <laughs> I would really like to see her in like a you know a straight ahead romantic comedy or a superhero movie where she's kicking butt first rather than sort of having to get beat up for a while and then finding a (laughs) way to figure it out. Um, So a loose adaptation of the H.G. Wells Invisible Man, I think from what I've seen and heard about it now, it's very loose, like maybe the title (laughs) and the idea that there is an invisible man, but this is out of um, copyright protection, so you can do whatever you want. Uh, Writers, Lee Whannell, um, directed by Lee Whannell, as as you told me that Elizabeth Moss also had a lot of input on the story, character, and so on and so forth. This is a hard to say because it's already out, but it seems like this is a pretty good movie from what we've seen so far. Have you have you heard or seen anything since we first talked about it to change your mind or any any additional? I haven't. Context here? You know, I I just haven't been looking at at movie stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think I told you when we first talked about it that like, I have not read the original H.G. Wells story. So I went Googling to find out what it was about. And it does sound like this is a very loose adaptation that that story is about an enthusiast of random and irresponsible violence, and mm-hmm. that it's been um, sort of transmuted for the screen here into a story about a woman who's being traumatized by an abusive ex, even after 
he is supposedly dead. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about gaslighting a, a me- or as a metaphor for gaslighting and literal ghosting. Um, and I I think that's a really interesting place to go. The first time that we talked about it and we lost our recording. So yep. here we are. We, we is a very generous um, pronoun <laughs> there for me. Rebecca. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> We're just two kids in a trench coat mm-hmm. uh, that... I I was skeptical first reading about this because I think um, stories I'm I'm just over stories above women in peril like in general I would I like to be scared I don't mind a thriller or even a horror movie sometimes but women in peril is not the way that I'm going I think it's an interesting choice to explore um, gaslighting in a thriller but I'm also a little bit side eye about the use of this for entertainment mm-hmm. um, I believe it's genuinely scary that trailer looked very scary Elizabeth Moss sold it um, in what I've seen of it so I think I think I gave it like an eight and a half out of ten as my confidence for mm-hmm. the movie being good for what it is but also I'm not touching it with a 10-foot pole no. I do not want to I'm not watching this my brain is a weird enough place Right now, Seriously. especially, I do not need to think about this. <laughs> uh, I right, I guess as a disclaimer, right now, all I would like to watch is about 70 straight hours of the Great British Baking Show. Uh, short yes. of that, it's a little hard to know what I'd want to watch. I'm not a great candidate for this either in a, in a normal time. Here's just an example. So it's crossed $100 million at the global box office um, on a $7 million budget. So that's a wonderful hit, and I hope uh, Moss has points. On that, mm-hmm. so it sounds like if you do like horror movies, though, that this is a pretty good one, a smart one, especially if you're a woman who likes horror movies, which historically has been a tough thing to do if you have any kind yeah. of critical consciousness. This one maybe tilts more towards a modern, you know, sensible take about how to navigate those kinds of issues. Um, and we've been told that this one is going to be released on, you know, basically that you can stream, meaning not that it's going to be on Netflix, but you'll pay some kind of, I guess we could talk about this model too. You'll pay somewhere between what it would cost to buy the thing outright when it comes comes out digitally and what, are, you know, the four ninety nine iTunes rental would be mm-hmm. further in the windowing. So maybe like fourteen ninety nine, I guess, for like a 48-hour rental yeah. is what you might say, which seems like a great deal for a first-run movie. And you know, I, I follow the movie industry as an you know an a- interested consumer of movies, and that kind of thing has been talked about for a while. As people have, you know, consumed more of their original content at home, especially movies. Like, is there a place between going to the theater and playing fifteen bucks each on a Friday night, and streaming it for free or paying three bucks for it six months later? Like, you know, one interesting thing about times of unusual patterns is you can experiment and use that opportunity, mm-hmm. use that as a chance to say, well, boy, the thing we normally do blew up in our face, but maybe we can try this other thing. I'd be curious to know if this is work. I'll be curious to know if they give us any data about this. Um, but this seems to be one of the first, I guess not the first grace test, because it did have at least uh, three weeks in the theaters. Um, I'm not sure if anything on our list is going to be straight to this model from what we've seen so far. I think Emma is. Emma's been out in limited release, so I guess that's the mm. best candidate and maybe a good transition. I think I think this was the one I was most interested in um, coming out. It's I think the term um, I heard someone talk about this and really related to the Emily Dickinson uh, Apple TV show, but even going back to 2000s, Pride and Prejudice was one of the progenitors of this, the idea of the, the spiky corset drama of mm. taking these Victorian period piece... Um, uh, I guess this is even before Victoria, um, costume dramas and giving them more of an edge than we're accustomed to seeing. And if you've seen the trailer for Emma, it definitely has a, I don't know, a joie de vivre, an edge, a, a kind of um, insouciance with a, with, a, with a paring knife in its hand that you don't usually see from these sorts of things based on from what the Austin heads have said is maybe the Austin fans, sneaky hips, the, the hipster Austin fans favorite, uh, it's not Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> but Emma or Mansfield Park, depends on who you ask. Um, it is really great. Uh, directed by Autumn DeWild. Um, screenplay notably by Eleanor Catton, who um, won the Man Booker Prize for the Illuminaries a while back. Um, a very accomplished uh, novelist uh, of her own right. And it looks really interesting. And the previews, like the the... Limited release critic previews has says this is a good movie. 
that this is a good movie, and I'm glad to hear it. I I will be circling this as a 14.99. If this is 14.99, it's tempting for me in two weeks when I've been at home for 21 days yeah. in a row. <laughs> I think at, at the 21 day mark, even I'm open to spending 14.99 on this. And as I told you when we recorded, I don't actually know what Emma is about. I didn't have to read Emma in school. Jane Austen is not my jam, so I've never read Emma for fun. But I think this looks really fun to watch. And the casting for me was a great clue for that when I watched the trailer. That even though I didn't know the story and I wasn't sure what I was getting at first, like Bill Nye is always yes. hilarious and is such a gift to watch. Just that like spirit of ridiculousness and whimsy sort of comes through and Tanya Reynolds who played Lily on the Netflix series Sex Education which is just a wacky and also really beautifully earnest role um, is a great sort of physical comedian and I'm excited I was excited to see her in the trailer um, interesting to me that Autumn DeWilde the director that her background is mostly in music documentaries mm-hmm. and in video shorts so this is like a really big swing to go from directing music videos, which are like, what, like three to five minutes long, mm-hmm. typically, um, into a full length feature film that is a big period drama based on a beloved literary property that's really bold. Um, and I, I loved what the first time we did this when the movie wasn't out yet. Um, I loved that. It looked like this was going to be great. And everyone was really confident in that. And it does seem like that's the story here that this is a good movie um, that would be fun to watch. And by the time I've been inside for 21 days and have made it through my Netflix backlog, I will be interested in this also. Yeah. It's, and it's one of those things too. It's hard to understand or feel the way um, Austin's original works would have felt like at the time. in you know, the early 19th century of how punchy, witty, um, subversive they were, and this is one of those situations where punching it up a little to make it feel more modern so that you get kind of the experience of it feeling a little bit transgressive in its own way mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense to me in a way that, say, punching up Dickinson's life doesn't make sense to me. I guess that my 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 um, critique is too strong because I don't care that much. But my one of the things I didn't particularly care for in the Dickens is why are we punching up Dickinson? Now, this Austin you punch up because then you really are capturing the spirit of what the original work um, was trying to do. So that one I'm I'm really interested to see. Wendy, I think, had limited releases like six theaters two weeks ago, um, is maybe the first of these that if it does indeed come to a streaming service, we'll see mul- m- the, the bulk of its quote-unquote first-run dollars come from mm-hmm. people buying it on Amazon or something like that, right? Is I'm that... in for this one. Yeah, why don't you take the lead on this? Because I think both of us were excited about it, but you were even more a little excited uh, than I was about this. Right, so this takes the story, it's like a sideways take on Peter Pan, or a sideways adaptation about Wendy, um, who finds herself stranded basically in Neverland um, on this island with boys who don't age. And it looks dark mm-hmm. and beautiful and interesting and i did note in our original conversation that it also st- seems from the trailer that the story is still largely boy centered but the movie is called wendy so i need it to really be about mm-hmm. wendy and for wendy to be um, empowered and powerful and certain certainly like the idea of being a girl trapped on an island of like child and adolescent boys who don't ever age like that's complicated and interesting and could be all kinds of things um it was written and directed by ben zeitlin who did beasts of the southern wild which is also a movie that explores childhood and wildness and those are interesting themes to have run throughout someone's career at all but especially in the kind of visuals that beasts of the southern wild did as well this the trailer for this just grabbed me um of like this just looks beautiful and beautiful and interesting and maybe it's messy i don't know my confidence was like eight out of ten that this will be a good movie the trailer made me feel things and that's really what i want out of you know an artistic experience is like Mm -hmm. make me feel things and have some like provoke something in me and i think that that um i think that this movie has potential to do that if it came out like maybe other than no time to die on this list mm. it's uh, no time to die is probably the first one i would watch if all of these films got dropped onto streaming on the oh, same day no i'd be like well let's that. just watch james bond <laughs> like that's what i'm this is really what i'm doing on day 21 of streaming is just like i'm in my house watching daniel craig shoot at things mm-hmm. uh, but i would i think wendy would be high on my list yeah it's um you know we've seen a wave of 
even around Peter Pan, there was a Finding Neverland, and you know that was about J.M. Barry, unfortunately now starring Johnny Depp, which was pretty good. Um, there was a wave of how to use this existing IP where you include the authors, like the Beatrix Potter biopic. You know, mm-hmm. like you make you you leverage people's affinity for the source material to tell a story that they think they're watching something about Winnie the Pooh, but it's actually a drama. This recentering of classic IP on a non-main, or a, the not, a secondary character. Like, it's not called Peter Pan, right? It's called Wendy, and choosing the one that's different than the others and making it the center of the story, I think, is really smart and could serve as an interesting way of regurgitating, if you want to be uncharitable, reimagining, if you want to be charitable, these stories that mean so much, that are basically cultural lore at this point. Like, say what you want about Peter Pan, the original text. Peter Pan now is a part of western culture whether you like the original story or not so can you do something with that story that's fresh that's interesting that maybe addresses some of the weaknesses and blindnesses of the original um you know it goes back to the early days of western literature when basically we were writing fan fiction about the trojan war and that's what mostly the odyssey and the iliad (laughs) and all you know all those stories were taking these central stories of the culture and then taking a different angle of them, decentering them, turning them on their head and seeing um, really what's interesting. And as IP, as modern IP starts to become more available, like I think Peter Pan, the original story is now out of the public domain. The J.M. Barry stories, mm-hmm. the Disney stuff, like you can't use those images or you know anything like that, but the original is out. Winnie the Pooh's coming next, Gatsby's coming soon. My long one, my long one to Daisy movie um (laughs) someday someday i'll get but i think this is really really fascinating um way to look at it um yeah to see i think that it's really interesting to see this and the switch to doing a story about wendy i believe is a nod to what we're seeing in culture of like not just have letting boys have adventure stories but telling a more diverse array of stories and giving girls something to do on screen as well like now that i'm thinking about it this way what i think i actually want is just like a completely gender bent version of peter pan mm. where it's like girls all on an island together right um and right. what and what would that look like yeah um, but i'm i'm really intrigued by wendy also patty pan uh Weirdly too, weirdly, too, I mean, one of the interesting things about Peter Pan, especially the, the Broadway adaptation, like the classic theatrical one, Peter Pan's often played by a young woman, which right. is like mm-hmm. a, a, an interesting history of, I'm not, it's not even, they don't address it in the stories. It's just that's been one of the, the tropes of, of doing it. So there's already a little bit of a wrinkle in the gender assigning that's happened mm-hmm. in popular representations of Peter Pan. Um, there's been good or good. I'm not sure. It's, I, I have an affinity for the Spielberg adaptation Hook from when I was a kid, mm. but it's not good, if we're being honest. <laughs> I like it, but it's not I good. Haven't, I haven't watched it since my childhood, and I feel like I that's maybe better, just to leave yeah. it there. The other thing that's now happened is, um, now that Robin Williams has passed away, anything that he's in gets an extra layer of um, credulity from me, because I have such mm. an affinity for Robin Williams. Um that it's a little hard to watch and not like, oh, Robin Williams, wasn't he amazing? My family and I were right. watching the original Jumanji over the week, and I was like, God, there's just nobody like him. There's just mm-hmm. He's just an incredible um, presence and, and a wonderful, warm, zany, unpredictable agent of chaos in family movies that sometimes, especially <laughs> from the 80s and 90s, are so stayed. To have a little of that manic intelligence that Williams brings to the screen available to you is just something else. Um I guess from here on out, we don't know what's going to happen with these movies. Where <laughs> So where do you want to go? Do you want to just keep going in the order we were originally told they would be released? Sure. Yeah. I think um, this next one is the one we're both least interested in. It's <laughs> The Secret Garden, um, which is the adaptation of Francis Hodgson Burnett's beloved novel um, about an orphan girl who discovers a magical garden hidden at her strict uncle's estate. It's in this vein of English children's literature where you have to go to someone else's house and in their cupboard or in their wardrobe or in their garden, there is a magical <laughs> land. Um, so say that, say that what you will. That means something about the English psyche, but it's also in that vein. <laughs> um, again, the trailer looks fine. The story is fine. This is not one of my childhood it's, favorites. It just looks fine. I don't know why I we need another one of these. Don't either. Um, 
but it looks beautiful. Yeah, but I don't care. It, like it falls into that weird space of it looks like it's a show made for kids, but also by adults for other adults. Like who is supposed to be excited to watch this? I don't understand that. It's not a kid. Yeah, it doesn't look like a kid's movie to me. It doesn't look like a kid's movie. It's not. It doesn't look nearly as like scary, though, yeah. as the 1993 version uh, that starred Maggie Smith or had Maggie Smith in it did. Mm-hmm. And that's the version that I know from childhood. And that one was creepy. But we don't really make creepy movies for kids right. anymore. Like the stuff we grew up on. <laughs> and we all survived. But kids are a little tenderer these mm-hmm. days. Um, my main question here is like, why can The Secret Garden not be set in contemporary times? Like, why does this have to be a story set? It's like a great Question. way back in jolly old England and like do do kids care that's what makes me wonder about who the audience is for this because I don't think like an eight-year-old cares about watching this historical like they don't care that it's a beloved novel they don't care that mm-hmm. it's a history piece like there's also no reason that it has to be an old-fashioned story like this could happen this could be set today where someone goes and this happens at their you know their rich uncle's country house but in 2020 like yeah. the casting is great Colin Firth and Julie Walters they look good it seems like a safe movie to take your kids to it seems low on the peril factor mm-hmm. um when we were watching this compared with um the call of the wild i was excited to see that at least the dog in the trailer for the secret <laughs> garden is real <laughs> but i just feel like it's like as you were saying it's fine i don't care it's fine if you need a safe movie to watch with your kids when you're on day like 48 of quarantine mm-hmm. well hey Maybe let me the say secret there garden. is no bottom to the potential content mill that I will need. So uh, if it's at all passable, there's a chance I will watch this (laughs) with my kids at some point. The other thing that strikes me now is the modern expectation of the level of fantasy in a movie like this is so high. Mm. And The Secret Garden, in my memory of it, is fairly gentle. Like it's not... It's not like, say, another thing that's on this list, which is Artemis Fowl, which is a wild trailer in a very confusing, giant world of fantasy. Um, This one's pretty small. uh, And maybe that elusiveness will make it a little more evocative rather than maybe it'll make it feel closer to um, possible and therefore more creepy, uncanny, exciting, something like this. But it feels like a very beautiful, competent adaptation of a book for which we already have a very beautiful, competent adaptation. The 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 thing that got stuck in my mind, I think it was the 93-ness of it. I think that was the um, Winona Ryder Little Women adaptation. It was either 93 or 94 around the same time. And we've since had another Little Women adaptation by which I'm very excited to have come out and so I can see that at home. I'll be watching that soon too. So why am I not as down on Little Women as The Secret Garden? Maybe The Secret Garden will be great and do a lot of interesting things that Little Women, the new adaptation, does. But the new adaptation of Little Women is a new adaptation. Like it's taking on different issues, it's putting a different spin on it. Like it's, it has its own take where this seems like a similar take just with more modern movie making technology, mm-hmm. which as as bad as some of the old technology was in kids' movies, I found that with my kids, it doesn't make or break our experience of the movie if the spiders don't look photorealistic CGI. Um, there's some very bad spider like practical effects. It looks like they got him at Party City for a Halloween party at the end of Jumanji. But you know what? It kind of didn't matter um, because the movie is fun and you like the characters and what else is going on. This one feels like, well, you know, we have all these new tools for Secret Garden. Maybe we we should remake it. It's like, hmm, I'm just not sure about that. And and here's the other thing. I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to be wrong (laughs) that this is great and people love it. This is saying that this has gotten pushed back to August 14th for a theatrical release. Um, Sure, why not? I think it's pick a date out of the hat situation. Uh, here. It seems to me like th- if they could cycle that up and put it on streaming yeah. while we're all stuck in our houses, that would be wise. Right. Uh, let's do another sponsor break and come back about talk about some uh, one we're very excited about. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, okay, 
this one was a real surprise to me. Um, one thing Michelle and I do from time to time is just look, at, watch trailers, just what's coming mm-hmm. out. And I was like, what in the hell is the personal history of David Copperfield? And I still am feeling a little bit the same, but excited in a good way. What the hell is this personal history of David <laughs> Copperfield in a good day? It is a modern take on Charles Dickens' classic tale of a young orphan is able to triumph over many obstacles. Kind of like I was saying about um, Austin, is that you can take the spirit of Dickens and dial it up a few notches for the modern world and still have it feel transgressive and subversive and wild and zany and a little bit, you know, unexpected and fresh. And this has Dev Patel in the lead role mm-hmm. of um, David Copperfield, which for reasons that I think are obvious makes it interesting just by its nature. Like he's an interesting actor, but also he's not a white Englishman. Um, and there's you know Hugh Laurie and Tilda Swinton seem to be turning in based on the trailer some very odd and interesting turns, mm-hmm. which is sort of like I think will go on their gravestones for both Hugh Laurie and Tilda Swinton turned in yes. an odd and interesting turn. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to this in, in a really sincere and honest way. And if this was streaming tomorrow, I would buy it and watch it. Yeah, I I am too, and I don't particularly care about Dickens. Like yeah. I think this looks like the right amount of weirdness and whimsy to add to a. Uh, Dickens story for people for whom Charles Dickens is usually like too much. Uh, and I don't usually think of Dickens as particularly funny, but this looks great. Like it looks great. It looks fun. Um, the director Armando Iannucci and writer Simon Blackwell both wrote for several seasons of Veep, mm-hmm. um, which was hilarious and is one of my favorite shows of the last several years. And I have a lot of faith in their ability to do that. My big question is, are they going to address on the screen that Dev Patel is brown because mm. I do think that the experience of a non-white person in the setting that David Copperfield is presented in is significant. Like a brown person would have had a different experience that a white person would have in that world. Mm-hmm. And I love that they're playing with the casting in that way, but I hope that it also becomes something that's part of the story. Yeah. And I don't think you would have to be like, it's now about him being brown necessarily. Though right, You right. could certainly make a good one that did that, but there's a way of like, how is your name David Copperfield? Exactly. <laughs> right. Then, um, right. There's a way, like, I think especially in the hands of um, Inucci and Simon Blackwell, that, like, there's a way that it could be done where it acknowledges it, but is, like, part of the right. joke of the story of, and of what's going on. Yeah. This one was originally scheduled for in the U.S. release of May 8th. Um, I guess that's an interesting date to think about in terms of, does this have a chance to actually open in theaters? By May eighth, are we going? Are we? Will you and I be like? You know what? We can go to the movies this weekend by May eighth. That starts to get towards what well, I'm thinking. Maybe, but I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah, I'm in the maybe camp. Yeah. Also, I'm supposed to be leaving on an international trip on May eighth, and mm. so I'm also doing some like magical thinking. Right, about, motivated reason about that date. I hope motivated reason. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope that we'll be. I hope that we'll be back out in the. Oh, world. I certainly hope we will be. Really if you're asking me away. to bet a binge, if you're asking me to bet a scene <sighs> note on May eighth, I, I could go either way. Like, <laughs> I think I would put a hundred on May eighth, but not a thousand. That's weird, because the chances are the same. It's weird. <laughs> it's a different size of risk, though. No, the risk is the same. It's a different amount of money. <laughs> that's a different. That's well, a different. That's a different conversation. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I think it looks great. Go check out the trailer for this one and tell us what you think. Um, Woman in the Window. Here's one that neither of us are excited about. Looks competent. And if they released it on Netflix tomorrow, a billion people would watch it. Right? But we would not be any. No, of them. we wouldn't watch them, but we're not a billion. We're one of the six billion. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. I think a billion people would for sure watch this yeah. on Netflix because the name recognition, mm-hmm. like a billion people read Woman in the Window, but the trailer looks super over the top. Um, I'm really over retreading the ground that Gone Girl broke, and I'm a little worried about Amy Adams now pigeonholing <laughs> herself into these kinds of stories yeah. after she just did Sharp Objects. But like Amy Adams is great, and Julianne Moore is great, and so there's good casting mm-hmm. here. Anthony Mackie, great. Jen- Jennifer Jason yeah. Lee, great. 
Right. And a million people read the book. So a million people are going to watch it. The director, Joe Wright, has done other good adaptations of literary material, including politics, politics and prose. I have PNP (laughs) here in my notes. And my brain was like, PNP means politics. Oh, that was 2005. I said 2000 for PNP. I'm sorry, 2005, which I very much like and maybe a good subject for a future book nerd movie club. Yeah. Anna Karenina, Atonement. But like this source, but this source material from Woman in the Window is not great. Like this is not adapting Anna Karenina. It looks, it just looks so over the top that I don't know that it could even like sufficient be as suspenseful as it's trying to be. My, yeah. I gave it a two out of ten when we were doing our confidence index on it. I just, I've got a question care. for you. Would you? Wouldn't you be? No, boy, I'm really setting you up. Um, <laughs> how much more excited would you be for just a straight up remake, gender bent rear window? Oh, so much more excited. Right? Just call call it what it is. So much more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think our original conversation about this led us to being like, we should just do a book nerd movie hour of Rear Window and all, a lot of the material related right, to which that. Is so based on a, which is based on a short story um, that I think I talked about on, again, we're referencing the shadow mm-hmm. document that no longer exists, but it's based on this short story <laughs> by someone, I can't remember the dude's name, but I remember his his biographer called him the fourth best crime writer of his generation, which is right. a tough beat <laughs> for my guy, that your biographer called you the fourth <laughs> most important crime writer of your generation. And I asked you, would you rather be the fourth most uh, important crime writer or the guy writing the biography of the fourth <laughs> First of all, who were the top three? It was like, in fairness, and, it was like Dashiell Hammett, uh, you know. So it was like there were some names you would recognize, yeah, and this name you wouldn't have recognized. As I can't it feels like myself. a backhanded compliment. Like, why not just one of the best? Crime That's right. You could have said it. You could have given him a break, but it's a complete self-owned by the biographer too. Right. Anyway, uh, that all's explaining how really little amazing. interested we're interested in women in the window. Um, now we're talking about the yeah. material it was adapted from right. and the material that thing was adapted from. <laughs> I know. It's like six degrees of um, original source text here uh, to some degree. Also, I guess in well, the spirit of disclosure or whatever, we also am not, are not thrilled with the A.J. Finn's alternim, real in them. I don't know what the opposite of pseudonym right. in, um, who has turned out to look like not one of the, the best people ever to have walked the earth, though the writer is Tracy Letts of this, who's a very accomplished um, playwright. Uh, so there, I think there's a chance that the movie could be better than the source material, because I think Tracy Letts mm. is a better writer than A.J. Finn. So That's having true. a little of the moral quandary of how much to care about a text by <laughs> someone who I don't want to support that has people I'm interested... You know, like it's all mushy, which is it's, the way of the it world. It is all... It is all mushy. Like, there's certainly a lot of money behind The Woman in the Window and the adaptation here for film. And they got big stars and they got a good writer. And I just think there's only so much that you can do with not great original material. So, like, maybe the dialogue is better in the hands of a playwright, but the story is what it is. And we've seen this kind of story before. We've been seeing a lot of them for the last, like, Mm -hmm. 10 years. Yeah, I, I'm ready for people to stop caring. <laughs> I'm ready for people to stop caring too. I think there's a there's an upside chance it's actually pretty good that maybe it's a uh, watchable pot boiler kind of a situation uh, in its own terms. It got me thinking too that after Girl on the Train and the Woman in the Window, I'm sure there's a third we could make a trend. The female noun in the place is our new mm-hmm. um, the uh, profession female relation. Uh, model. Yeah. Is there, can you think of a third? Oh, the woman in the window, the girl on the, the train. train. The lady in the water. Wasn't that the, the, the M. Night Shyamalan I, movie? There was one. So if you've got other ideas, um, the fiance in the car, the um, divorcee there was a, the girls, in the Costco. The girls in the something recently. The divorcee in the, the Costco. Divorcee in the I would Costco. watch that. I don't even know what it's about. <laughs> I'm in. Ooh. I think the divorcee in the Costco is like the next Noah Baumbach film. Yes. <laughs> I like it. It it does feel like if you took Reese Witherspoon's character in Little Fires Everywhere, which the actually just today the first three episodes dropped, and she got a divorce mm. and she's trying to put her back life back together, and the opening scene is her having a breakdown in Costco, I'm in. I'm a thousand percent in. I'm a hundred percent in and I'm gonna watch those first three episodes of Little Fires Everywhere yeah, later. We we I talked about doing an adaptation nation. We I'm not sure what we've got, but also the 
the first episode of Plot Against America, based on the Philip mm-hmm. Roth novel, adapted by David Simon, came out, and the early reviews of those were excellent. So um, I'm not sure I want to watch that, but I'm glad it's good. Do you have things like this where you know you're never going to watch it? It's not a real thing, but you're also somehow weirdly glad that it's good? Is this a thing that yes. only I do? Okay, good. I'm, I'm no, good. no, no. I feel the same way. And I'm, I just pulled up our notes. We, had to, we do have a plan, I think, for sometime in May to mm. do an adaptation nation with Little Fires Everywhere and The Good Lord Bird. Oh, which yes. Which will be out by then. But we could add, like, we could do our first episode thing yes. that we did last time around and do the first episode of Plot Against America, too. Yeah. If there's other TV shows that you'd like to hear us talk yeah. about, let us know because there's so many um, and the culture is so uh, higgledy-piggledy right now that I'm sure we'll miss things. I haven't said that word in a while. That's a fun word. Higgledy-piggledy. That is a good one. Good word. Um, Let's do another sponsor break and we'll come back to things that later in May and a little further afield from our our normal interests. So the next one, I should have said The Woman in the Window now has no release date on IMDb. So that's a, they they should have a shruggy emojis for those now. Just, we all know what you mean. The kids and I just watched a trailer for this um, adaptation of Artemis Fowl that was supposed to come out last fall. It got bumped. It's based on the Eowyn Koifer. How do you say this? I think it's Koifer. Koifer. Eowyn Koifer. Um, middle grade fantasy novel that I've watched the trailer three times, and I consider myself <laughs> an educated man. And if you ask me to describe what's happening... I have no... It's like four conceits wrapped in one. It's like if you opened a fortune cookie and there was another fortune cookie and a fortune and another fortune cookie within that. Yeah, my notes just say, what is this about? Yes. Like, I watched the trailer multiple times and then I had to read a (laughs) breakdown of the book series to even figure out what the conceits wrapped in conceits were. Like, it's just not a super great sign if that's the amount of research that you have to do to make sense of a three-minute trailer and the multiply delayed release date is never a good sign either i do think though like if they wanted to drop this on streaming in the middle of tomorrow (laughs) people will watch it there's a lot going on like there's stuff to look at this is how far down in backhanded compliments we are now like well there are things happening on the screen Um, seinfeld episode where it's like that's a baby (laughs) i think this wins our stoner theatrical experience of the spring award because it doesn't yeah. look like it, Maybe makes, it sense. makes sense but i think if you want to yeah. do i think it's um artemis Fowl calling the rise of the edibles i think that's what you're talking about here because it looks amazing and makes no sense um, it's like how you those things when we were kids that you put on like the weird glasses and then you can see stuff yeah, in the image that yeah. you, that wasn't there before. Like you just have to put on your stoned glasses and then Artemis all right. makes sense to you. It, 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 it violates one of the rules that my friend Jeremy told me about. I don't know if he invented it, but he, he told me about it. The idea that a movie can have one big lie, a big mm. lie being you know a thing that really couldn't exist. We'll buy one. So we'll buy Peter, like Neverland is a thing. We'll buy that yeah. you can clone dinosaurs. This kind of has mm. two big lies because A, Artemis Fowl is like a nine-year-old James Bond, which is lie number one, right? Okay, that's its own right. movie. And then the second lie is there's the secret land of fairies and he has to find his father as a criminal prodigy. So there's two big lies. And I think that's what I start to get like, so how do I understand... Um, what's happening here. And a lot of times these overbaked, overstuffed, basically turkeys that have been stuffed with other turkeys and left in the oven too long, they've, they have too many lies going on. And that's my, that's my very simple diagnosis of what's going on in the movie. Now, by all accounts, the, the book series was popular enough um, to be made into a movie that people like, so maybe it gets away with it. But my <laughs> first blush is like, give me, tell me, which, pick a lane here and let's go with that one. Yeah. It reminded me of that first episode of the new adaptation of His Dark Materials that yeah. we watched, where like this, the book is beloved, there's a lot going on in the story, but there's too much to try to lay out on yeah. screen. Right. And it was a struggle in the first hour of His Dark Materials, so I understand how if, if all these things are happening on the page in Artemis Fowl, that it's really a struggle to get it into mm-hmm. a three-minute trailer, and it sounds like they've had a hard time getting it into like a two-hour feature film, but just... Mm. <laughs> yeah, and the number of bodies at so. the wall of being the next Harry Potter is really a disaster. I mean, we've talked about this in other contexts too, but have people learned yet that Harry Potter was not the beginning of a trend? It was its own thing. Like, there have been yeah, other I... successful fantasy YA franchises, but don't try to... This is this is a fool's errand to try to do. Um, 
hard to, hard to I know. think trying to be the next fill in the blank is almost always a fool's errand. Before, like, right as Harry Potter was breaking, it was also Twilight, what's going to be the next Twilight, yeah. and then it was what's going to be the next Hunger Bond Games. And, yeah, right. Like, you can try to target that same audience with something or figure out, like, what it was about the story mm-hmm. that resonated, but it's usually not a play-by-numbers, like, find a magical world, put a child into it. It's not that simple. Right. Yeah. Percy Jackson. And I think some of them work better as kids' books meant for kids. The crossover mm-hmm. to being a mass culture phenomenon is where people get stuck. Yeah. Right? That's where you really um, can can hurt yourself. Um, the next one, The Green Knight, which is based on the Arthurian legend of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Sir Gawain, one of the knights at um, Arthur's Round Table, you know, kind of like the Iliad Odyssey stories. There's a bunch of side stories about the characters of those um, Arthurian tales. Another Dev Patel joint. A Dev mm-hmm. Patel sort of bringing a little different um, look to these tried and true roles of David Copperfield and um, Arthurian Knights. This one has a, what would you even describe this aesthetic as? Ooh. Is it, it's almost like it's, a Arthurian horror? Is that it's fair? It's dark. Yeah, yeah, horror. It's definitely dark. Um, like this is certainly fantasy and history wrapped together, like a dark mythology. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's really something timeless about these stories, though, and I love a, a new twist on a classic. And I think you know that a story is really timeless when you can put uh, an actor of like any background or any ethnicity into a role and the story still does what the story is supposed to do. And like I, I love this trailer. I've watched it several times. There's not even that much happening yet. Like it's I'm just ready to watch Dev Patel do this. It just it looks dark and a little twisty and interesting and we don't get that layer mm-hmm. of king arthur very often of the king Ar- of that whole universe yeah. it's like you know the sword and the stone is for kids and there's whimsy and then all of the arthurian legend stuff is usually built around romance yeah and this is a dark um challenging kind of yeah, it's a fable take on that. it's I a like fable that. and yeah. i really don't want to spoil it because i mean again it's a 700 year old poem so it's it's definitely eclipsed the expiration date of, of spoilers but i think it's old enough now that most people don't know it. but i think you can set up the premise which is sir gawain strikes there's this deal this the green knight is sort of a uh, uh, it's a mo- monstrous supernatural kind of being where there's a deal where if you let me try to remember exactly how it goes, but basically he makes he'll offer you a deal like you can strike a blow against him, but then he'll strike a blow against you in a year and a day later, and Sir Gawain takes the challenge mm-hmm. and beheads the Green Knight, but then I think he spends the poem not knowing what's going to happen because he thinks maybe he's killed him, but what if he hasn't? Is he going to get his? So it's it's kind of a Edgar Allan Poe in King Arthur sort of a story, which. Again, that's the kind of mix-up that I think can really unlock something new. And I never thought about in those terms, because I had to do this for my English stuff a million years mm-hmm. ago to read this. But with this kind of aesthetic, I was like, oh, this is this is an Edgar Allan Poe gothic story told using tropes and characters from Arthur. And I am a thousand percent in if I can not chicken out, which I'm very much in danger of doing, because uh, the trailer is very, very spooky. <laughs> I'll go first. Okay. And you're in, I right? I will let you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah you're in I'm, I'm so in. Uh, more Dev Patel. Dev Patel forever. Right. And I'm stoked to see him get roles like this. So this now, this still has a 29th of May release date, which using Rebecca's logic means she would, she would bet $400 <laughs> that this would, uh, this would work. It's really how much are you willing to lose, right? Yeah, right. Um. All right. Uh, let's see. We're getting close to the end here. Where do you want to go next? You want to take the next one? We only have one left. Oh, well, then I guess we're going to. Sorry, I'm trying to get and out of my it's the one that or... I know. Yeah, it's the one that I know the least about. There's so a trailer actually... out now. You can go look at the oh, trailer. I haven't seen the trailer yet. Yeah. The movie is called Greyhound. It's based on something. Yes. And that you're about to tell me. Because a, I see, sorry, I threw it to you. I threw, I threw the mic to you, and you're like, I don't know the next verse. Sorry, uh, Ad Rock. Um, it's based on a C.S. Forrester novel that I can't remember the name specifically of, but the story is Tom Hanks is a first time... Oh, is it The Good Shepherd, something like yes, that? Yes, The Good a Shepherd. shepherd of some kind? The Good Shepherd, okay. they changed the name because there was another movie called The Good Shepherd recently, uh, which is 
fairly good. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But the name of his ship is the Greyhound, and he's a captain of one of these ships that's ferrying soldiers across the Atlantic um, during World War II, and basically it's dodging U-boats, trying not to get blown up by U-boats crossing the Atlantic. Tom Hanks is the captain. I should, shouldn't have to say anything else, really. To, this is America. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And it's, it's rally Tom around Hanks. Tom Hanks time. I hope Tom Hanks. It is Rita. rally around Tom Hanks time. Yeah. Tom Hanks and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We need to, you know, uh, <laughs> form a quarantine shield. Around well, those. And as uh, your beloved Michelle texted me last night, wash your hands like you're washing Jason Momoa. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, These are the cultural icons we I'm protect. I'm not sure but... I wanted to know about that text, but thank you for sharing. <laughs> there was an image, too. <laughs> I, I believe that. I believe that. Anyway, um, the trailer looks great. Tom Hanks is saying stuff like it's not nearly enough or if we last the night. I'm just a thousand percent in. Oh, yeah. Tom Hanks in peril is the right level of peril because you know he's going to be fine. We're all in good hands. Tom Tom Hanks Hanks. leading me to safety right now is basically all I want. (laughs) It's all I want. Yeah, I was was talking to Amanda yesterday about like if we could just get like an Obama – public address for what's happening in the world right now that would be great but a tom hanks public address would go almost as far for my soul right i mean he's movie obama tom hanks it's true yeah and obama's yeah. sort of president hanks in, in yeah sort and of way. as i learned when we were, were doing research for this tom hanks wrote the screenplay which is interesting yes and i did not really know that this was a tool he had in his tool he wrote one he, of my favorite family movies that yes. thing you do which is great, and I love great. that movie too. And just always forget that he wrote it. I think he's he's just multiply talented, and the director Aaron Schneider is pretty green. Mm-hmm. But like, it's Tom Hanks; he's going to be fine. Do you think if Obama and Tom Hanks ever hung out together, just the two of them, <laughs> they would just nod at each other for an hour? Like they wouldn't even have to say anything; they're just like nodding. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, probably. They don't. There's nothing like to a... say. There's nothing to say. Because they're just looking at each other like it's all going to be okay. No, I hear you. This is fine. I mean, Actually, cool. you know how like at, at the holidays now you can oh, stream on YouTube I know where and you're going just yes. sitting there in front of a fire drinking whiskey. What I want is a live stream of Tom Hanks <laughs> and Barack Obama just like nodding at me comfortingly. Right. Um, and this has a new release date of June 12th. Okay. And so you would bet $2,000. Um, I would, Ben. We better be out in the world June by 12th. June 12th. <laughs> and the great... Um, there's been a bunch of big movies have been moved around. And F9, I guess we're calling this a function key, is the next mm. um, Fast and Furious. <laughs> it's called, we're going to call it F9. And then um, No Time to Die, which we would talk about on this because it was an April 8th release, something like that, yeah. has now been moved all the way to November. F9 has been moved to next year. The Black Widow movie has been moved indefinitely. And there's another, well, all, all the March releases and April releases and really into May releases are going to be moved. I think we're really looking at summertime, how nor- how much back mm-hmm. to normal will be. It would be fitting in a weird way if the first big movie weekend after this is subsided for whatever it's going to subs- subsiding is going to look like is Greyhound of Tom Hanks leading Americans <laughs> to safety. I could get behind that. I hope that happens. Um, Adaptation Nation. Yeah. Send us podcast at um, bookriot.com if there's... Right now on our docket, I think Little Fires Everywhere, Good Lord Bird, and Plot of a Kid America is a pretty good three, a trio mm-hmm. to start out with. But if there was a fourth one that we missed, um, that would be interesting. I'm getting a giant ad for Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan with uh, John Krasinski. That I, that's one of those. I have this list of like quarantine things that I don't think I would watch in normal circumstances, but we are, alas, not in normal circumstances. And Jack Ryan might be on the meridian, the, the COVID-19 meridian of things that you would watch or you wouldn't normally watch or read, but in these times, you, you might end up watching. Anything on your list, Rebecca, that you've always wanted to read or watch X Ooh. that you might get to? Because really? this is the chance. If you don't read it now, ain't never going to read it. Right. Um, well, I just rolled off of being on all the books, so my oh. reading time is like completely untethered from release dates yeah. right now. So I am just working kind of through whatever seems good and also i'm doing the tv backlog really uh, so what's on the, the doctor um, for that then? uh so i just started billions and i'm going to catch okay. up with bob so that i can watch billions with him um i have i'm doing high fidelity on hulu oh that's like adaptation nation new. that is adaptation nation mm. you're right mm. 
Um, I'm almost done with it. Zoe Kravitz. It's fantastic. I would need to reread the book. Wow. But it's I'm really enjoying it. Um, I just also did Mindy Kaling's Four Weddings and a Funeral series on Hulu, Michelle which is interesting. That. It's that's a great one, and it's interesting to like take it do a what was a great movie and turn mm. it into a TV series. I really enjoyed that. Um, and then I'm just kind of taking it as it goes. We have the second season of Jack Ryan to watch. You watched the first season too. We did watch oh, the first get, season. It was great. Give me the thirty seconds good. on it. Give me the DL on it. It's really good. Um, it did some of the same things that Homeland started doing sort of in the really good seasons of Homeland that acknowledge the humanity of people on both sides. Like it's been a while since we right. watched it. I think we watched Jack Ryan when the first season came out um, and he's in the Middle East and there are you know complicated things around representations of people in the Middle East and terrorism. And it looks at the humanity of people on all sides of it in a way that I, th- I think is about as nuanced as like mainstream TV is going to get. Um, and John Krasinski was more believable in that position mm-hmm. than I thought he was going to Yeah, be. So he doesn't have, you know, one, we talked about Harrison Ford's skills in a variety of contexts, though not actually talking about Harrison Ford performance yet. He always comes up because he's almost cast in everything we've ever done for Book Nerd Movie Club. But like <laughs> Krasinski has a little bit more of, um, he's a little nerdier, right? Even though he's taller yeah. and he's handsome and a pretty, you know, built fella, but his affect, his face is a little bit, I mean, or maybe it's just even the cultural weight of the office on it. Um, mm. can't quite have Ford's, I don't even know what you call it. Um, yeah, there's a good, assuredness, like, right? Like he's even, and, and Ford himself is great at being conflicted. Um, and you know, the long arc of the move, the, the white male movie hero from John Wayne to Krasinski is a, is a story of eroding assuredness, which is interesting in its own right. Yeah, and watch. I like watching spy spy kind of characters yeah. in their cover lives, and mm. like we get to see him do that. And there is enough like winking humor to some of the to some of the character that it was fun to watch. I will totally, I'll totally watch that. Um, yeah. yeah. What am I going to read? Next, I just read, well, we're going to talk about these in a couple of weeks, but I just read New Waves by Kevin yeah. Wynn, which I really loved. Um, we'll do that. I think for the show that comes out on April 8th, we're going to be talking about New Waves and Uncanny yep. Valley by Anna Wiener together. So if you want to get caught up, um, you have some Oh, you know what? Jen and I just decided, I don't think this is a spoiler. I don't think we, no one any cares, but so she and I are up next for the Book Ride Insiders um, remix podcast where we have hosts of mm. other shows, um, you know, in different combinations talking about different stuff. And I, I have been meaning to read one of her favorite books for a million years, Angel Maker by Nick Harkaway. So we're going to read oh, and talk about Angel Maker together. I'm so excited to hear your take on that. I, I know nothing. Something to do with bees, maybe? Is that, that's what I've got so far. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's good and zany. Yeah. It's good and zany. So we're going to be talking about that for the April uh, 21st episode. If you are an insider um, and would want to prep for that, you could do that. So we're going to do a little recording of us talking about it before I read it. Uh, and then mm. we'll do a little, we'll record um, a discussion of it too. So that's one on my list. Uh, I don't really keep a very good TBR. The, the, the quarantine test subjects for me are, if I'm never, I've always been on sort of my radar, but I've never watched it now. I'm going to take it off my radar. Um, mm. Is going to be, uh, oh, I can't think of the name of it now. I don't know, what's uh, The Americans, right? Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I've never watched. And then... If I'm ever going to get on the succession train, I feel like it would need to be <gasps> yes. now. Do it. You're, you're into that, right? Um, I marathoned that so fast. I've never. I, I've I've long given up on ever giving up, trying House of Cards for comp, you know reasons that maybe oh, you yeah, could guess late. there. It's too, too late. late. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm never going to do Breaking Bad. I don't think just because reasons. So I'm never going to get on that train. So I really think it's Succession. Um, that's the one that maybe I'll go dive mm, into those. You know, I'm just doing this off the cuff, but I think, well, actually, we do have, do we have time to, we don't, because I'm thinking we don't have a bonus episode scheduled for release uh, on March 25th, so we should come up with something fun that we can do while everybody's quarantined anyway. Mm. Um, but I, I just started reading, if we're going to talk about books, I just started this morning, We Ride Upon Sticks by Quandary, oh. which came out on March 3rd. And here's the pitch. It's an unbelievable it's, title and pitch, but please uh, give it to us. Give it it to is us. 1989. It's a girls um, high school field hockey team in Massachusetts. And they basically, like they're from the same town that the Salem Witch Trials happened in mm. or from the same area. They are connected to that history. And they base, they're a losing team and they make a deal with the devil yes. to start winning. And they yes. do it by writing a spell in 
a notebook that has Emilio Estevez's face on it. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's so, I'm like 40 pages in and I was like, I'm in, I'm just all the way in. Like, it's amazing that I'm working today because I just wanted to sit and read it all day long. So if you're looking for a good new release, you can Yeah, we, so we have that March 26th week off because we were spring breaking. We're, you know, let's take not, right. we're not going to be spring breaking. You know what we should do? That thing watch, you do? That thing you do? We should do that or you've got mail or just some like good oh. book nerd movie hour. Yeah, I feel like, well, email us if we've got an open yeah, spot. there's time. We'll go ahead and do an episode. What would be, what would you like to hear us talk about that doesn't require a billion hours of work, right? Um, so mm-hmm. we're, are we going to let people ask us to read a book and watch a movie? Maybe it should be a non-book nerd movie club, just nerds, nerd mm-hmm. movie club, mm-hmm. book riot podcast <laughs> Or like bookish. I think You've Got Mail is a good contender because yeah. there's not a book. So we would just have to watch the movie and talk about yeah, it. It's so like a bookish, right. a bookish movie or mm-hmm. something else that we could do. Um, it's too late to... Uh, yeah, it's too late to like take requests for if you need recommendations of things to read while you're in quarantine for us to do a show around that. Mm. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, send us some yeah, ideas. Yeah, send us some ideas. Um, something that we would have fun doing, too, wouldn't be bad. I, I, I don't mind um, doing some work if the work is fun. Um, Me neither. All right, Rebecca. Well, in these uncertain times, uh, we are still uncertain. <laughs> yes, And we've we got are. no solace to offer. Just, just watch. Just put the Greyhound trailer on loop and um, trust that things will be okay. That's all I've got for you this week. Um, as always, show notes... I don't even know what the show notes would be this week. Links to our sponsors. Uh, if you want to just see an easy, if you want to, we'll just link up all the IMD pages if you want to find out more information about the movies. I guess as a way of finding out if they're out now. Can you watch <laughs> them now? The trailers are all there. Um, thanks so much, Rebecca. We'll talk to you next time. Yeah, you too. Have a good one. Eat, eat, eat.